quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today on Inside Politics, from Russia with malice. The Justice Department pulls back the curtain on a Russian operation to peddle false information about the Bidens and the informant they used to do it. Plus, one of these things is not like the other. Alexei Navalny paid with his life for an enduring political protest against a dictator. Now Donald Trump is using Navalny's name and story not to shame Putin, but to shine his own reputation. And all power, no checks. Wannabe future Trump officials build a playbook for what a second Trump term would look like, and we've got some of the eye-popping details. I'm Dana Bash. Let's go behind the headlines and inside politics. Up first, the informant. The impeachment inquiry built on his alleged lies and the influence operation that has swindled Republicans and perhaps the FBI. Last night, federal prosecutors added 28 pages of intrigue to an already damning indictment. In it, Justice Department officials say not only is FBI informant Alexander Smirnoff a liar, but that his lies, including those about Hunter Biden, came straight from Russian intelligence. The latest court filing again says Smirnoff twisted, quote, routine and unextraordinary events into a spy novel with Joe Biden on the hook for bribes. The feds say it wasn't true. And that they identified the source of those lies, Moscow. Russia or Russians are mentioned 170 times, including alleged high-ranking intelligence officials who met frequently with the informant. Quote, Smirnov admitted that officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story on the Bidens. But if you think these facts would change anything about the Republican plan to impeach the president, you would be wrong. Do you take back what you said about the president's involvement in a bribery scheme now that Alexander Smirnov has proven to have made it up and it was based off Russian intelligence? Doesn't change the four fundamental facts. You said the 1023 is the most corroborating piece of information it you have. It corroborates, but it doesn't, it doesn't change those fundamental facts. So now. But it's not true. Well, so, okay, so it's, it's the, the FBI told us that this source was so, 14 years this source was a paid source by the FBI. When we when we were trying to get the 1023, they told us, oh, this could jeopardize national security, the safety of this source, didn't want to release it. And now they're saying, oh, he, he, he gave false information. The facts are the same, really? Ronald Reagan said it quite a lot, trust but verify. And it's clear in this moment, Republicans trusted the word of this informant, so much so to repeat it over and over so much that they based a preliminary impeachment investigation into the president of the United States on it. They trusted, they did not verify, or on the politics about all of this in a moment, but let's start with the facts as we know them. CNN's John Miller is here. John, run us through who this informant is, why the FBI believed him, and should they have believed him? So Alexander Smirnov is a longtime CHS, confidential human source. Mm. That is a nugget of gold in the world of the FBI, where you're able to recruit a human source 
who walks and talks within the circles that you can make cases in. And Smirnov made cases, according to FBI sources, he made uh, significant cases that resulted in indictments, in the public corruption area, in convictions, in criminal trials, and provided uh, information from time to time on national security issues um, and international affairs. So he would have been a prized informant. The question really is not how could the FBI work with a guy who was lying to them for 10 years. The question is, after all of those cases and convictions that stood the test of scrutiny, did he become a double agent for mm -hmm. Russian intelligence? And if so, when? And was all this uh, Biden $5 million bribe, Hunter Biden scandal stuff part of a Russian manipulation? Was he witting or unwitting? All those questions still unanswered. Such an important point that he is uh, believed to be a longtime FBI informant and that he has helped with cases, as you say, that did uh, stand the test of time. So the question is, what has happened in the past several years? So that is the question. And I mean, dramatic developments, you know, in court this week as you know, he was brought to arraignment in Las Vegas, where he was arrested coming off an international flight. And the government takes the position, and I'm quoting from their bail application now, no condition or combination of conditions will reasonably assure the appearance of defendant Alexander Smirnov as required. They're saying he's got eight million ways and a lot of help to flee the country. Mm. And yet, uh, David Chesnoff, his lawyer from Chesnoff and Schoenfeld, made an argument to the court that this was a trusted asset of the of the U.S. government for a decade, and he needs to be trusted more. And plus, this is a morass. We're going to need him free to assist in his defense. So a lot of the answers to these questions, at least his versions of that, should be coming through him, his attorneys, and the documents in this case as it goes forward. So, John, we're going to get to the politics of all of this here in a second. But uh, just on the facts, what do you make of the fact that Republicans... Uh, even though they're saying that there, there's other information that we have not yet seen and that he was a quote-unquote corroborating witness, what do you make of the Republicans relying so much of what they thought that they were building on this man? Well, the Republicans fought hard, and I mean hard, to get this mm -hmm. 1023 mm -hmm. where this unvetted allegation was made. Since then, it's been investigated by a Republican former United States attorney, now special prosecutor, who said... It was all nonsense, and that's provable. Um, and now a prosecution has started. So I think if you take you know, what Jim Jordan said to Manu in that incredible argument is they have the facts. Uh, the facts have changed, and they want their original facts back. Um, that's not how it works. <laughs> Very well said. Uh, John Miller, thank you so much. Really uh, important analysis and information. Thank Thanks, you. Dana. Here to help us understand more about what all of this means is former federal prosecutor Elliot Williams, CNN political director David Chalian, and CNN's Paula Reed, our chief legal affairs correspondent. Elliot, pick up where John left off. I mean, you have been in the uh, federal prosecutor business uh, before, and I'm sure I don't know how much you've dealt with uh, informants, but just talk about how this kind of thing happens. I 
it, it can happen mm -hmm. where a witness comes forward um, certain about evidence that, frankly, law enforcement wants to believe. Now, the question is, what did the FBI have to substantiate or corroborate things that he'd said? And I think that'll come out in time. Certainly, uh, the House of Representatives is all over it and seems to think this is now an FBI problem as much as it's a witness problem. I mean, again, and we'll talk about this in a moment, um, so many people relied on this testimony, including up on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. um, laying the groundwork for an impeachment that, that seems like it's sort of crumbling mm -hmm. um, uh, as their evidence falls apart. I mean, haven't we, uh, as a society, we, uh, in sort of the political realm, maybe learned uh, from uncorroborated FBI informants or uncorroborated uh, tales spun by FBI informants? That's A, Paula, and B, um, what about what John just said? That the, What are you hearing from your sources about the possibility that this guy was legit and then he was turned well, into we a double agent. We don't know because last night in this really stunning filing from the Justice Department, they were advocating for why he should remain detained. They said, look, there's no circumstances under which he can be out. Why? Because they said, look, this is a guy with a history of lies. He lies about everything, including how much money he has, for example. He said he had a few thousand dollars. He actually had access to $6 million. And then he had this enormous network of people all around the world, including in Russia. But when it comes to whether they know for a fact if he did talk to Russian assets, if he, they did give him information about Hunter Biden, it says in the filing they were not able to actually verify that. So that's still an outstanding question, whether he could even be lying about his alleged lies. <laughs> yeah, I thought <laughs> we're in that rabbit hole. We're okay, that is very hole. meta. And yet you just heard Jim Jordan say, by the way, yeah. that, well, he was corroborating information. Yeah. Well. What information? what information? Well, right, I don't understand. If you if you are a liar who tells lies about lying, yeah. and it's now exposed that this was all lie, what? How are you a corroborating? Well, it, okay, so that's a totally legit question, but let's just go back. I don't know, like a day to <laughs> before, or maybe last week to before this guy was, um, you know, it was exposed because he was arrested that they don't believe that he was telling the truth. What Republican after Republican, conservative media commentator after commentator said about this very man. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. We already know the president took bribes from Burisma. They got this credible document, this 1023 form, that say Joe Biden had been involved in a bribery scheme. The FBI had an unclassified record that details an extortion and bribery scheme involving then Vice President Biden. We haven't gotten anything from the FBI and DOJ. I guess. guess now so. remember, this 1023 that was released by Grassley last week. Now we know about this form 1023 that alleges bribery. The most corroborating evidence we have is that 1023 form from this highly credible confidential human source. No, for normal humans out there who aren't like really familiar with <clears throat> the the, uh, the code and 1023, that was the information about uh, from the informant. Right. It, right. It's, an, it's a memorialized document yes. by the FBI. Now, here's the thing. And what everybody should know is that the standard for impeachment, it's in the Constitution. It's one can be impeached for treason, bribery or other high crimes or misdemeanors. Now, the Constitution's pretty silent on the amount of evidence you need, um, how you go about it, what what it takes to impeach somebody. The simple fact is, and they've, and they've made point, they backed away from those statements in the last day or so, saying, well, this is all based on more than one person's testimony. Well, fine, then come, come with us. the evidence to show it, whether it's other witnesses that can corroborate what this individual had said, whether it's bank statements, financial records, they simply 
simply don't seem to have created a public record that indicates that any of it exists. And at a certain point, the law doesn't care about your feelings. The law requires you to come forward with evidence, which they simply have not done. In fact, the opposite is true, right? We yeah. do have witness testimony throughout this process that actually undercuts the argument. Even people who, witnesses, correct me if I'm wrong, Paula, but who are opposed to Joe Biden, no yeah. fan of Joe yeah. Biden, ha have gone in mm -hmm. and offered testimony that suggests there's no there there of a direct connection of Joe Biden benefiting from any of these business dealings. And now what you're seeing is these Republicans who, as you just heard, really relied on uh, this FBI informant uh, upset at the FBI. And they're trying to say, well, we need to find out why the FBI got um, sort of hoodwinked on this. Uh, they're asking things like why the informant, who officials claim was high, highly credible, why did they use them since 2010? Why did they pay the informant six figures? Why did the DOJ sit on serious allegations from the informant, whom the FBI deemed highly credible for years? The American people deserve answers. Those are all really good questions and questions that we all have as well. Yeah. But it's not the only questions that we have. Yeah, completely legitimate questions, but informants are complicated people, right? They occupy sort of these dark places, yeah. deal mm -hmm. with shady people, and they are in and of themselves shady. And if this is someone who had provided good information, you can see why they might trust it. But look, they're not the only ones who have that question. Hunter Biden also has some questions about this because he argues that yeah. Smirnoff's lies uh, helped to, quote, infect the political environment added to political pressure on prosecutors, the special counsel, David Weiss, and they believe that is part of why he is now facing two separate criminal cases. So they've asked the FBI, they want more information mm -hmm. about exactly when they started to suspect. Part of, part of why that yeah. plea deal fell apart. Exactly. Because of the political pressure that David Weiss uh, was under. That's certainly what they allege. I have to ask about James Biden. There mm -hmm. is another Biden, the president's brother, who is um, going behind closed doors on Capitol Hill today. He is facing accusations about uh, pocketing what foreign cash. What do you, uh, what can you tell us about these allegations and, and what realm they're in? It's really the same question. It's whether uh, loans given from the uh, President Biden were laundered Chinese money, which is what the uh, mm -hmm. uh, representatives in the House, uh, the House of Representatives is saying, or whether it was simply a loan between brothers. And it's the same point we've been talking about here. If in fact, anyone has evidence to substantiate whether this was in fact laundered Chinese money, then bring that evidence and either um, refer it to law enforcement for prosecution or impeach an individual on the basis of it. The simple fact is no one has come forward with anything uh, really substantiated. And at a certain point, every minute that they are working on these wild goose chases informing the president and his family, they're not fixing the border or, or addressing the fentanyl crisis or whatever else it might be. Not that, you know, members of Congress can walk and chew gum at the same time. Can they? <laughs> It's a fair question, but but this is and you know and I know this and I know this well. Law enforcement takes time yeah. uh, to build these investigations, and and right now it just doesn't seem like there's much there. There. This is such an interesting. All of it is just fascinating. Um, thank you very much. Don't go anywhere. Donald Trump says what happened to Alexei Navalny in Russia is happening to him here in the U.S. He still won't call out Vladimir Putin for Navalny's death in a remote Arctic prison. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. 
Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Nearly every leader in the Western world has condemned Vladimir Putin for the mysterious death of Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny. Not the far and away frontrunner for the GOP presidential nomination. Instead, Donald Trump is drawing parallels between the Russian opposition leader and himself. Navalny is a very sad situation, and he's very brave. He was a very brave guy because he went back. He could have stayed away and, frankly, probably would have been a lot better off staying away and talking from outside of the country as opposed to having to go back in because people thought that could happen, and it did happen, and it's a horrible thing. But it's happening in our country, too. Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways. And if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I got indicted. I never heard of being indicted before. I was going to... I got indicted four times. I have eight or nine trials, all because of the fact that I'm, and you know this, all because of the fact that I'm in politics. Joining me now, David Chalian is still here to discuss this and more, along with CNN's Priscilla Alvarez, Sungmin Kim of the Associated Press, and CNN's Kristen Holmes. Um, Kristen, I'm just going to throw this to you first, since you cover Donald Trump every day. This is actually the most we've seen him even be complimentary of Navalny at all. I mean, he has not condemned him in condemned Putin in any way, condemned the and death still hasn't. of it still hasn't right uh, of Navalny. He actually completely ignored it. And the only thing that he had said up until this point was that learning about the death of Navalny made him realize how bad things were in the United States. Uh, again, he followed through with this at this town hall. And this is really what Donald Trump does. None of this to me is surprising. The day after we learned about Navalny's death, I was asked by a number of colleagues whether or not Donald Trump was going to respond. And I said, I guarantee if he does, he will not mention Putin or Navalny, which is exactly what happened that day. This is how Donald Trump responds to everything. He makes it about himself. He is the victim here. He believes that he wants to continue to sell this idea that America uh, is a place where he is being politically persecuted. But it's it's just not surprising that this is the you're going to you're going to people are going to get sick of me saying this. I think I've said it with you on the show. Shocking, not surprising. Yes. Let's hear a little bit more of what Donald Trump said last night. Well, you put up that kind of money because you have a bond to put up. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's uh, it's a lot it of dough. It is a, lot a of form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. Is it communism or fascism? 
what do you say to the, what you are hearing uh, from that town hall? And just going back to what Kristen was talking about, it's not a surprise because if you, it, it is also who Donald Trump is, not in, in addition to just making himself the victim and making other issues about himself, but it is also who he is when it comes to Russia. This is not someone who has ever challenged Russia through his words. This is someone who has not challenged Putin. This is someone who took the word of Putin over the U.S. intelligence agencies. And it is, it is, so again, this is someone that he has kind of shown who he is when it comes to this, you know, this autocrat, this, this leader that basically all of the Western world has condemned. And even the intentional, uh, perhaps intentional, perhaps he doesn't have the full story, but I'll, I'll assume it's intentional, uh, absence of Navalny's plight. Like when he mm -hmm. was, when he did right. finally talk about Navalny, he was talking about Navalny's own personal safety and of going he back shouldn't in. shouldn't have gone back. But, but, as That's if he misunderstood the whole point of why Navalny was going in or deliberately leaving that out as part of the equation. So that would even be a step without taking on Putin, if you didn't want to, to actually just champion the cause that Navalny was fighting. He refuses to do that as well. Uh, let's talk about the uh, man you cover every day, uh, Joe Biden, the president, and the way that his campaign and him in particular is trying to, uh, again, sort of bouncing off of MJ Lee's reporting yesterday, Every single time uh, his likely opponent says something like this or anything else, jump on it. The former president, Trump, and other Republicans refused to hold Putin accountable for his death. Instead, Trump said Navalny's death made him realize how bad America is. He said, and I quote, we are a nation in decline, a failing nation, end of quote. Why does Trump always blame America? Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Why can't Trump just say that? Well, and he took that argument directly to donors last night during a fundraiser where he also said Trump fails to even condemn him. And he went on to say it's outrageous. This is something that the president is bringing on the domestic stage. He is telling voters this is someone who can't condemn the Russian president. Uh, it puts democracy at risk. Imagine what happens if the president comes back into power. But he's also taking it to the world stage. Just last week, Vice President Kamala Harris said as much in Munich. It, she didn't invoke Trump specifically, but the argument was we can't go back to the U.S. abandoning its allies. And anything that even resembles that is a win for the Russian president. And in, to your point about MJ's reporting, my colleague, it's all to seize on these comments that the former president is making to remind voters who he was in his first four years in office. That's really the crux of it. It's, it's been a while now, but remember who he was and the threat he poses to democracy, which the president has leaned in on, but also to what it means for the United States standing on the world stage. I think that this is, it is a very important argument. I mean, Donald Trump says a lot of things. He speaks mostly off the cuff and he says a lot of things that would be perceived as unhinged if you are the president of the United States who is repeating them out and repeating them back to voters. However, as we have found time and time again, and again, I am traveling with this man across the country. I am seeing him draw thousands and thousands of people, uh, Donald Trump, that is. I don't know that just pointing out what he says yeah. is going to be something that impacts these voters because in their mind, and this is when I talk to them, they say that he's just saying that stuff. Yeah. These are just things he says. It's, it's the, the, um, the persuadables, right. the independents, the uh, people who voted for uh, Donald Trump the first time, Joe Biden in 2020, and they're now kind of on the fence now.
Yeah, exactly. It's I agree. It's not going to impact those voters right, yeah. that he's drawing thousands about. The question is, the, the the independents, the folks in the middle that he repelled during his presidency, and we saw in 2018 midterms, in the 2020 election of Joe Biden, even in the 2022 midterms with Trump very prominently a part of that equation, if indeed he still repels them or not, and the Biden team is doing what it's doing to try and ensure that, it do, that he does. So what I find is that Republicans who I speak to who say that they will vote for Trump this time were exhausted in 2020. They were absolutely tired of Donald Trump, even if they will not directly say that. A lot of them tell me that they didn't go to the polls. These are people I'm meeting in Iowa and New Hampshire. They are going to go for the, to the polls for Donald, I mean, for Donald Trump this time around because they believe that that exhaustion was better than what they have now. Whether or not that's a reality or not, that is what is their core belief. We got to sneak in a break. You have one quick point. Yeah, I just found it so interesting about just the whole, the whole concept that continues of, oh, he's just saying that because that's kind of the logic that Republicans, elected Republicans, have continued to try to use because this is a dynamic that Republicans were asked about, you know, your reaction to Navalny's death and how is Trump handling it? And I thought what Mike Turner said over the weekend was really interesting, where he's he kept saying over and over that Donald Trump's political rhetoric doesn't translate into his policies. And that's kind of what these Republicans who know the power yeah. of the base have to say to themselves. That was a very good tease for our next block, because we're going to talk you. about uh, what uh, <laughs> the, the Trump world, or at least allies of his, are hoping uh, that he will do if he does win another term, what he would do to govern. That's next. What could a second Trump administration look like? That's a question Trump's allies are trying to answer as polls show a Trump return to the White House looking more plausible. I wouldn't say probable, but more plausible by the day. New reporting from The New York Times, Washington Post, Semaphore, Politico. They all zoom in on the efforts to shape what could be a Trump administration and how they could change big, big topics, big policy issues like abortion rights, immigration, and the state of the federal workforce. I want to bring my panel back here now. Um, David Chalian, it is, uh, it's fascinating to see some of these stories are sort of trial balloons uh, coming from Trump allies and maybe even from those who aren't really excited about uh, Trump even being the nominee, never, never mind being the president. So it's a could this happen from some corners? And it's warning this could happen from other corners. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of hiding the ball that's going on here. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't. I, I think this process is very much out in the open. There are interest groups that are allied with him who have de uh, dedicated their entire being right now mm -hmm. to developing these policies. And the last thing you mentioned in the intro, Dana, which I know is like the least sexy for everyone, the federal workforce. Mm -hmm. And just keep your eyes on this throughout. This is so the important. core of what the Trump team believes thwarted them from a, a whole host of their goals in the first administration and what they want to attack out of the gate to, to get rid of what they think are people entrenched in this bureaucracy who were human roadblocks to the things they wanted to accomplish, the reinvention of the federal workforce, again, I know it's not sexy, I think it's critical to what they're Well, doing. it's what they call the deep state. Yeah. It's what they call the deep state. Now, never mind that it was a lot of Trump appointees who he picked didn't just they weren't just serving there because that's what they do who blocked him from doing things like uh, overthrowing an election but that's a very important point uh kristen you uh i know talk to people in the in trump world all the time and uh, you i'm sure you hear what i hear which is let's just take a breath and these are people who are making money and exist professionally 
uh, to try to come up with these plans and policies for a potential second term. It doesn't necessarily mean that if he wins that they're going to take um, take these policies and run with them. Well, it also means that Donald Trump doesn't like anyone taking credit for his ideas. Yeah. So as soon as those people started getting out there and saying they had plans for a 2025 agenda, he got out there and said, only I have plans for that. But there is something to be said here. I mean, AFPI is one of these groups, right? America First Policy Institute. It is filled with people that talk to Donald Trump almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. They're not coming at this cold with just their ideas and how to make money. They're having conversations. They're influencing the way he thinks. Project 2025 run by Heritage, same deal. We're talking about Russ Vaught, who is not, he's not technically part of Heritage, but he is, falls under the 2025 umbrella, talking to Trump on a regular basis. He is the architect, the mastermind behind this idea that you can move all of these government agencies underneath mm -hmm. the executive to give the executive this un uh, wielding number uh, amount of power. That's him. All of that, again, having regular conversations with Donald Trump. This isn't existing in a vacuum outside of him. The, all of this, to some degree, is an advantage to the Biden campaign because their whole argument is, let's remind you who mm -hmm. former President Donald Trump is, and these reports do exactly that. I mean, immigration, great example. He's calling for mass deportations, detention camps. As someone who has covered DHS, I can tell you it's all very difficult to do, having covered him the first time around. But that aside... Never mind whether it's right or wrong. Never mind whether it's right or wrong. Hard. Right. right. Um, but the Biden campaign seizing on it right away, saying in a statement that this is racist, un-American, and ineffective. This is who he is, essentially, is what they're arguing. And then, let us not forget, on abortion rights, Vice President Kamala Harris is on a reproductive freedoms tour right now. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that country. up, because this, this was a bit baffling, but maybe it's not, and we can talk about the strategy here. Uh, the New York Times reports that he is considering a 16-week ban, national ban with exceptions. Donald Trump appears to be trying to satisfy social conservatives who want to further restrict abortion access and voters who want more modest limits. Then, after the Biden campaign uh, hit him on it, the Trump campaign, a spokesperson, according to our own Kate Sullivan, uh, that spokesperson is Caroline Levitt, told CNN the former president is not committed to backing a national abortion ban. In a statement in response to the Times report, she said Trump would sit down with both sides and negotiate a that everyone will be happy with, which is so easy on the issue of, of abortion. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's in terms of abortion, that's kind of where Trump, especially earlier on in the primary, recognized the political peril that taking a very conservative stance on abortion could have. Um, and I believe he I believe the New York Times reporting said 16 weeks was the nice number that he could just kind of wrap his head around, um, <laughs> which is also another odd aspect in all of that. But I think just that statement from the campaign, just backing away from it, they know that that was a gift for the Biden campaign because mm -hmm. that's going to be one of the pillars that President Biden, Democrats on down will argue in the presidential campaign and also in down ballot races as well. And I will say that Donald Trump does not privately and publicly want to get behind a national abortion. Where did that line. come from then? It was a trial balloon of some sort. It was a trial balloon. Uh, but a number of people that I spoke to, including someone who spoke to them right after this article came out, somebody who is very, very pro-life and was thrilled to see this, see. was told by the former president that he doesn't have any plans to do that because politically it would harm him. So I also think Donald Trump says a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I think that he himself has probably floated this yeah. out there, seeing what it looks like. What does it look yeah. like to say 16, 12 weeks, 15 weeks? I've heard all of these numbers for the last year mm -hmm. in terms of private conversations Donald Trump has had. So he himself such is floating a, it, but such, he doesn't think it's a winning political. Such anyway. important reporting in context, Kristen. Thank you. Okay, everybody stand by. 
Up next, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, three of the best-known House Democrats are competing for one California Senate seat. Two weeks to go, who will come out on top in a very messy and crowded primary? We're going to talk about that next. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. The White House just announced a new round of student debt relief. Today, 150,000 borrowers enrolled in the SAVE repayment plan should get an email letting them know their remaining federal student loan debt is canceled. That email is also expected to include a congratulatory message from President Biden himself, a sign the administration is eager to remind voters who should get the credit. The administration says it's now canceled the debt of 3.9 million borrowers since Biden took office, totaling $138 billion. Here's another number for you, $49 million. That's how much money has been sent so far, spent so far in ads alone ahead of California's Senate primary. That's a lot of money, even for a very big, uh, big state like California. It is a solidly blue seat. But the reason is because three well-known Democrats are vying for the job. Congressman Adam Schiff, Congresswoman Katie Porter, and Congresswoman Barbara Lee. On the GOP side, former L.A. Dodger Steve Garvey is running. Now, this is very contentious. It is very expensive, as I mentioned. And it's largely because of the way the primary system works in California. The top two finishers in the March 5th primary will advance to the general election, regardless of their party. The top candidates just faced off in their final debate before voters head to the polls. Here's a taste. My colleague, Representative Schiff, says, for example, that he wants to bring down the costs of child care, but he isn't on either of the two major Democratic bills that would do that. That's the thank, gap between Congressman you, Schiff and candidate Schiff. And there's nothing easier than putting your name on a bill. Uh, where you see the real legislators is they write their own legislation. But we have a strong disagreement over whether senators should bring back resources for their state. I believe that they should. Representative Porter doesn't believe they should. She prefers a political talking point. Earmarks are about inviting corruption, conflicts of interest, and rewarding people's donors. Don't believe don't, Representative Schiff has that track record. Our political director, David Chalian, is still here to discuss this. So in uh, political parlance, this is called a jungle primary. Exactly. And uh, it means that not the Democrats don't do their own thing, Republicans don't do their own thing. And the idea was to try to make it um, more fair, uh, less gerrymandered, so on and so forth. Yes, you can explain like that. Yeah, political reform. Yeah, political reform. Place. So as you said, the Democrat side and the Republican side, it's all one thing all in one the jungle thing. primary. Yeah. Right. So the top two will, will finish. And one of the most um, fascinating dynamics is the strategy that Adam Schiff is trying to uh, to employ, employ, and that is to raise up the leading Republican candidate, Steve Garvey. He's a very well-known uh, former athlete. And let's just watch a little bit of the ad that Adam Schiff is running in order to achieve his goal. Garvey is wrong for California. 
but Garvey's surging in the polls. Fox News says Garvey would be a boost to Republican control of the Senate. Stop Garvey. Adam Schiff for Senate. Okay, so can you just explain this uh, political sure. jujitsu? Well, Adam Schiff is trying to get his preferred opponent mm -hmm. for the general election. I noticed uh, today we got a, uh, an alert from Ad Impact who tracks uh, advertising for us. A, a similar ad to that that Schiff is running in the Chico Redding Markets <laughs> in Northern California. I just want to explain something. That's in the 1st Congressional District. It is a heavily Republican district. Right. Adam Schiff is not running that ad in a heavily Republican area to win more Democratic votes in this primary. He's doing it to boost Garvey with Republicans, uh, highlighting that he's very conservative, that he voted for Trump twice, because when it gets to the general election, Adam Schiff will be a shoo-in for this Senate seat against Steve Garvey, given the Democratic registration advantage in California. It's a very blue state. That's a very different race than it is Schiff versus Katie Porter in November. That's a much more difficult contest for him. Right. The idea being, if I'm a conservative voter and I see Adam Schiff says Steve Garvey is too conservative, I say, great, sign, sign me, up. me up for Steve Garvey. <laughs> and that's the whole Schiff strategy there. This is a very expensive race. I, m I mentioned $49 million. And just to put that in context, $49 million is more ad spending than any other non-presidential federal contest ever. I mean, that's a lot of money. And if you just look and see where the ad spending breaks down, Schiff, $25 million. Porter, $14 million. And Barbara Lee, uh, very far behind in her ad spending, $89,000. Yeah, I mean, I think she's raised about a million dollars in this overall campaign, mm. Barbara Lee, if I'm not mistaken. She's far behind in fundraising, therefore bar far behind in, in ad spending as well. California is no stranger to very expensive races. It's an expensive, media-driven kind of state. It's not like what we saw in Iowa no. and New Hampshire, multiple right? Multiple expensive it is, markets. Yeah, multiple expensive markets. So that's no surprise here. I, I do think, though, what you saw in that debate clip was a Katie Porter getting very close to the Super Tuesday primary day worried that Garvey is going to overtake her in this race. And that's why you saw her so aggressively going after Schiff in that in that debate clip. Yeah. Uh, so, so interesting. This is this is one of the races that I'm most fascinated with. Yeah. We'll see if Schiff's strategy works. Thanks, David. <laughs> sure. Up next, a historic U.S. journey to the moon, five decades in the making. Tomorrow, we're expecting to see a U.S.-made spacecraft land on the moon for the first time in 50 years. The Odysseus lunar lander, nicknamed ODI, launched from Kennedy Space Center last Thursday and is scheduled to land tomorrow evening. CNN's Todd Foreman has been following all of this. It's pretty cool, Tom. It is, you know, a half century mm. since we've done this. I'm telling you, everything has changed. That's why this is such a big challenge. Yes, we've been to the moon before, the only nation to ever put people on the moon, but it was a long time ago. So imagine if we stopped building cars for a half century, we wouldn't go back to Henry Ford's plans. We would have to start all over again. And that's really what they've done here to put this up there. It sent back some amazing photographs since this beautiful, beautiful takeoff uh, down in Florida there. It, they've sent back some wonderful photographs from space of what it's seen so far. The goal here is to touch down near the southern pole of the moon where there's a lot of interest because there is water there. There's an idea that they can set up maybe some kind of a lunar base which would be used to the jump off to Mars. But this is a huge, huge challenge. Last year, Russia tried it. They crashed into the moon because they had a software problem that mm. miscalculated the length of a burn of one of its landing jets. China, uh, Japan tried it last year. They failed because their lander thought it was 
right on the Earth's surface when it was still a couple of miles up in the air. So this is really very tricky stuff to be done here. And all eyes are going to be on this tomorrow, Dana, when it tries to touch down roughly a quarter million miles away from where we are. So it's a lot riding on this. Well, I'm very much looking forward to, to watching that live. Next time you come on, you can explain why it's been 50 years. Well, with a little, with a little luck, it'll happen just before 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. But as you know, that's rush hours. So <laughs> could be, maybe not. not. Not on the moon. We'll see. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Tom, thank you so much. Good Appreciate you it. Now. You too. And thank you for joining Inside Politics. CNN News Central starts after a break. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 